As a business owner of an aquaculture company, how can you take the first step to be profitable and sustainable at the same time? That's what we're going to be talking about in these episodes. Hello, and welcome to the Business of Aquaculture podcast. This is the podcast for the sustainable business movement in the aqua farming and ocean ranching industries. This podcast aims to amplify the voices of entrepreneurs addressing the United Nations Global Goals, aka Sustainable Development Goals, number 14, to conserve and sustainably use the oceans and the seas. Listen in to fellow business aquaculturists in their journey in this new model of food production of making their business sustainable and help the ocean's ecology while also making a profit all at the same time. Get inspired to learn how even small to medium businesses can make an impact to save the seas, leave a legacy, and have a better quality of life. One of our goals is you take away a nugget of wisdom that will help your business move from the industrial revolution to business 5.0. Our vision is that of collaboration in the aquaculture industry. I'm Lourdes Gant, your host. As an aquaculture and seafood advocate, how do you share your expertise in the industry in your niche? This episode is dedicated to answer that question. So listen in and I hope you enjoy this episode. If you listen to episode one, we talked about the top trends in aquaculture. In episode two, I summarized the top 10 challenges aquaculture businesses face in growing their businesses that were the emergence of insights from our special guest from season one. Episode three, we have the president and CEO of the Canadian Aquaculture Industry Alliance who talked about what government rules are blocking the development of aquaculture and how can companies help to change this? What will the sector look like in 10 years and what will stay the same? For this episode, I have with me Mr. Matt Craze. Welcome to the show, Matt. Hi, thank you, Lois. Welcome to episode four, season two of the business of aquaculture. Matt Craze, who is a global seafood industry expert and founder of Spheric Research that publishes multi-client studies on global seafood and food industry topics. Spheric carried consultancy work in Asia, Europe, and Latin America, mostly involving expert interview-driven studies. Welcome again to the show, Matt. I'm so excited about all the studies that you did. So I can't help <laughs> myself with all this excitement. I'm having a little bit of a trouble with my pronunciation and my accent. <laughs> I do the same. <laughs> I'm really thankful for the time you're giving me today, considering I first saw you via, I think, one of the events that's organized by the Global Aquaculture Industry Alliance and then through LinkedIn. Right. So thank you again for being here. It's very humbling to host the show and get a yes when I invite special individuals to be on this new podcast, considering I know how busy you guys are in this industry. So thank you again. (laughs) Let's get started. So my first question is, tell us about land-based farming. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Big big topic. (laughs) Yes. Land-based farming. It's been around for three decades or four decades. It's part of the existing production systems. If you look at most species, look at salmon, it forms the same technology as used in the juvenile rearing stages of aquaculture and increasingly more so, replacing in salmon all the phasing out 
flow through systems. For a long time, entrepreneurs have tried to master or decode the secrets of growing fish to harvest weight on land. There's been a lot of failures. And in the last few years, some finance has gotten behind some pretty big projects of which a salmon project, Atlantic Sapphire, is the front runner. And that project is now in operation. And so I would call 2020 and 2019 a year of kind of euphoria in terms of money going into the land-based sector. I would describe, or some actually somebody described on a call today, 2021 as being hypersensitivity to bad news coming from some of the leading projects. And that's sort of where we are right now. The technology, it continues to advance. There was an industry conference today and there was people talking about the nuts and bolts and mechanics and how those are improving gradually. But the investor sentiment has kind of pulled back. That's sort of where we are right now. Very cool. I'm really just excited about you with all this research and I guess interviews that you've done because you told me a while ago that there's a publication coming out of the first database of all commercial projects of all species globally, which I'm really, really looking forward to. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, that's right. We, we, we did it with Undercurrent News last year, but we just did salmon species. We counted the number of projects. In actual fact, my colleague and I We're at the latter stages of this project now. So we've counted shrimp, rash shrimp. We were quite surprised that there's dozens of projects out there, but the the project economics seems to be key with rash shrimp. Other species, quite a few. That's a new study. And the salmon list, we just added the numbers up today. I was expecting there to be a lot more new projects. Actually, we found there wasn't that many new projects. Again, that might speak of the slowdown in interest as well from the the money side. I'm not talking about everything else. Right. Well, I look forward to see more on the shellfish side of things because that's the species that we cultivate. Because I found that when I first came into this, as you know, where I came from in the industry is from a family base. And so I actually brought into place process map because a lot of the projects and experiments that were done in the past were not documented. So I started from scratch wherein I had to really find all these studies that had already been done. And luckily, I'm able to retrieve some of the experiments that were done for like from the 90s. And interestingly, just documenting them all now in our process mapping. But my second question to you is, what are some of the challenges that you've seen in the recirculation aquaculture system or RAS? The main challenges we see are associated with water quality. And a lot of the problems seem to stem from the biofilter. And when you put salt water in a RAS system, when that any area of the water becomes anaerobic, you can get a buildup of gas and that can poison the fish within hours. That's one of the main challenges. But there are other little parts as well. There's generally, for that same reason, a lot of these companies have struggled to reach the level of density where the project economics makes sense. But there's really a number of challenges to overcome. A lot of them, again, going a little bit back to a panel I just heard 
at an industry event today, there's really a lack of human expertise around the world. There seems to be a lot more knowledge in Norway right now because they've commissioned dozens of post malt facilities in the last 10 years. As somebody said from ACVA Group today, there's a lot of university courses, a lot of training. And if you look at, again, if you look at Atlantic Sapphire, I don't want to talk too much about their results and single out one company, but that's one of the challenges that they faced. I think as well, it's super interesting just on that subject as well, how Atlantic Sapphire talked about the traditional engineering model for these systems. And they've actually, for their phase two expansion, they're looking at a wastewater treatment company to lead the project design. This is something that I discussed as well with Johan Andreassen on my same podcast that I do with Undercurrent News, that the wastewater treatment guys have a lot of technology that could be very beneficial to the RAS world. Thank you for sharing that. It's fascinating that you mentioned all of these challenges because this was part of episode two where I was talking and lack of the industry expertise was one of them, big one, because we're seeing that as well in our business. We, especially after COVID, a lot of people... Not only we don't have the industry experts that are now going to be, I guess, substituting all of the people who are from Generation X and Y for that matter. But do you think that part of the lack of expertise is because most of the younger people are more interested into technology? I guess so. When I speak to aquaculture executives around the world, there's definitely a problem with attracting the sector because not everybody wants to live in the middle of nowhere where fish may be raised. (laughs) (laughs) I actually find some of these places really charming when you go to, you know, the middle of Vietnam and they're on a beautiful beach. I sort of feel like I could could do that (laughs) if I had the skills. But because there's no industrial scale facilities, nobody's actually operated one, right? So a lot of these people are coming from R&D centers or small ventures that failed. A lot of them are coming from the conventional salmon farming industry. So if you see some of these really big like brass projects, the chief science people are actually managers of hatcheries from southern Chile, where I'm sat right now. And there's been a sort of export of talent to, you know, run these huge facilities. But again, their experience is growing smolts up to 200 grams best case scenario 500 grams and now they're going to take it to the 4.55 kilo harvest weight with all of the risk entailed in that growth period so that will be a learning curve for them as well yeah that's amazing that you mentioned that but i'd also like to bring into the discussion that now that actually the industry is embracing technology as well, we need these younger people because they're the ones who are cable ready. One of the challenges that you mentioned is just knowing the density that's appropriate. I mean, if they can do like sensitivity analysis on a robotic side of things, wherein, oh, if they have this number of animals, it produces more survival rate compared to these other things on a simulation, yeah. simulation and gamification, that would be wonderful, wouldn't it? <laughs> Right. No, absolutely. And, and if you if you think as well that these RAS systems are capable of generating big data, you can measure your parameters 
but actually the interpretation of that data is still at a fairly nascent stage. So these young operators will grow up with that new system and will be fluent in it, whereas previous generations won't. They would be more of that generation that relied on visual cues, looking at the fish. Are they hungry? You know, that type of thing. So yeah. these new, yeah, the new generation will, will just totally run with the new tools. It's exciting times, that's for sure. <laughs> I know that you're also going to have an upcoming webinar with the Undercurrent News, which is the world's most read seafood industry media platform. Can you let our audience know when that's going to be and what's that's yeah. going to be? I'm excited for it. Absolutely. So actually, it's a really nice webinar. I'm very happy to put this one together. It's September 23rd, so it's next week. And we've got a great panel talking about pretty much the same topic we're talking about. We've got Eric Tveteras of uh, New Treco, New Frontiers. He's the investment director of New Treco's venture capital arm. Then we have Maggie Freed of the Creo Syndicate. It's an advisory firm to the family offices of North America. So those guys, if you think about the fact that RAS needs fairly deep pockets if we're going to build salmon projects. Some of those investors might be best suited to that type of technology. And Creo Syndicate is an ESG-orientated organization, impact investment. And then we, we also have Eric Heim of Nordic Aquafarms developing one of the major projects in North America. So that, that will be a really interesting conversation, I think. Oh, that sounds exciting. All the big names and all these opportunities coming on board, isn't it? That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, my last question for you is, what's one thing you think will still be here and will not change in the next 10 years? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's all the people that are around me. I'm in Puerto Vares, Chile. This is where all of the big salmon companies are. I think all those guys are still going to be around in 10 years because anything that comes from RAS and even offshore, like Rabobank did a big offshore study today, definitely that sector is interesting as well. But these companies, the traditional coastal salmon farming companies will absolutely still be around. Now, whether they sell the salmon from Puerto Montt by trucking it a thousand kilometers to Santiago to then put on the overnight flights to Miami that then go on trucks. I'm not sure if that model will stand the test of time, especially as you've got all of these new freezing technologies, you've got ways that you could get the product to the market potentially with a lower carbon footprint. But I would imagine those guys will still be very strong. They might have solved some of their issues that they deal with, illness, disease management, sea lice, they may have found the answers to some of those questions that may even change the project economics of RAS and offshore. So I would predict those companies will be absolutely part of the uh, supply chain still. Well, thank you for sharing that. I wanted to address right off the bat because we probably have listeners who are in a lot of the people who is into the environmental impact discussions talking about 
salmon being bad. And then, of course, there's the other tribe we're in. This has been a family living for quite some time and fish is going to stay as long as there are also other people who's taking care of this properly. And so there's two camps. Yes, yes, there definitely is. And there are legitimate concerns that have to be addressed, obviously, with the environment and these industries' impacts on the environment. But what it does do is it transforms these areas that so often don't have jobs. I had great conversations with Randall Brummett of the World Bank, who was also on another webinar I organized recently. And it, it just has, as Brandy says, agriculture has this amazing ability to create jobs in often in coastal communities where there is high unemployment. So that part of it should be upholded as a very positive aspect of aquaculture. Thank you. And, you know, we welcome you here in Canada because we need a lot more data compared to how we're doing things right now. So come on over. You're, yeah. <laughs> you're cordially <I>, invited. <laughs> no, no, thank you. Yes, I, I, I'm quite familiar with different parts of the Canadian seafood industry. I'm working with a project right now, but also I'm following the elections. So it's super interesting, right? Because it seemed like the SNAP election called by Justin Trudeau was a sure thing. And it, now it's not. And that may give the salmon farming industry a different platform, at least on the West side, right? To perhaps have a new dialogue and yeah, who knows? Yes, it will be fascinating. And one thing I learned really well when I was still in school is we're not going to be talking about two topics, religion and politics. <laughs> But my biggest takeaway from today's call was when you were talking about, you know, how 2019 and 2020 being the euphoria years into the land-based sector and that now 2021, there's this hypersensitivity that are going on that brings a lot more awareness to people and people who are going to be listening to this podcast, maybe think how that affects your own industry if you're not in the aquaculture industry. And if you are, how did you actually rode that euphoria from the pandemic last year and the year before that? And how we can ride even, I use that same word for the hypersensitivity. And so you can make some adjustments to what you're doing in your business. So thanks again, Matt, for being here. Any last words? How can they get in touch with you? Oh, yeah, sure. No, I was just going to say on your last point, a lot of the industry predicted that this would happen. You know, you had the excitement about new projects. And this is like, this is a crazy thing. It's being at the start of an industry and you wait for these first projects. You know, many people predicted that there would be a bumpy start. And of course, we can see the bumps now. And so everyone's sort of retrenched investors, but that doesn't mean the technology has retrenched. It's like the, to call it the Gates S curve or all these different models where you you have a a period of disillusionment. I think that's a little bit what's happening right now. Yeah, no, I'm a consultant with seafood. I do have a lot of data on the novel innovations, alt proteins as well as something up my street, so to speak. You can contact Spheric Research. I'm Matt at sphericresearch.com if anybody wanted to just get in touch. <laughs> Thank you again, Matt. And I can't wait to visit you in Chile as well. My network there is... Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. You're most welcome. Yeah, it's a beautiful part of the world here. Early spring and it's full of lakes and fjords and it's it's a nice part of the world. 
Can't, <laughs> can't wait to visit once our border open. <laughs> Thanks again, Matt. To our subscribers, do leave a review of the podcast so we can get more people to be aware of the value our guests are providing in these conversations. If you're new to the podcast, I'd like to hear from you. So contact me, our website, sustainableaquaculture.ca. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Matt. And I'll talk to you again soon. Bye for now. Thanks. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening, and I hope you are inspired from this episode. Do take a moment and share this with your friends and colleagues, and rate and review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'd love to know what your biggest takeaway from this conversation has been. What are you going to do differently? Please share your thoughts across social media and tag us. For links and show notes for this episode, visit our website, www.sustainableaquaculture.ca slash podcast. Thank you again. I hope you will join me on the next episode and together we can help create a better business in aquaculture.